Today on the Matt Wall Show, President Trump wants to send uh, $2,000 checks to some, uh, many, many Americans. Is that a good idea? Some people are calling it socialism or saying that it's like Andrew Yang's uh, universal basic income plan. I think that's absurd. It's, it's neither of those things, clearly, and I'll explain why. Also, the media has not let up on its lecturing about why we shouldn't call it the China flu or the Kung flu or the Chinese flu or whatever else. And this, this the, the fact that they're focusing on this, of all things right now, proves exactly why we don't trust the media, can't trust the media, and therefore we don't know who to trust um, uh, when things like this happen. And that just makes it all the worse uh, in, a, in, in a situation like this. So we're going to talk about that as, all, as well. Plus, five headlines, including the cringiest cringe fest of a cringe video that you will ever cringe at. Uh, some celebrities got together and decided they wanted to inspire us during this pandemic. And you know that whenever celebrities decide they want to inspire us, it's, it's going to be bad. So we'll play that video for you. And in today's cancellation, I am as dangerous as this may be for me personally. I will be canceling my wife. My wife is canceled. And uh, hopefully she can't hear me right now because we're all self-quarantined in the house while I am shooting this video as we speak. But there's very good reason for it, and I will explain why. All of that on the way. But first, let's check in with our friends over at uh, Fairway. You know, I, I, I love all of our sponsors. This one especially is a, a very easy one for me to try to sell because what, what, what it comes down to is it's delicious meat that is delivered right to your home. And, uh, and it, it makes life easier especially these days when you've got the, you've got the delivery, you don't have to go out for it. Um, and they're going to, you know, you can deli deliver however, however, however much you want. And uh, you could put it in the freezer and you could, you could save it. So it's a good idea to keep, to keep food, to have it stored. But also let's just focus on the fact that it's, it's really delicious stuff. That's what it comes down to, down, down to. Fairway is a family owned grocery chain that's been in business since 1938. So they've got a lot of tradition. They've been doing this for a long time. And you could tell when you, um, when you taste the product, Fairway's premium beef and all-natural pork is raised by family farmers and uh, hand-cut by a highly experienced team of Fairway butchers. From ribs to ribeyes, pork chops, beef tenderloin, their certified heritage pork is crafted in small batches by Midwest family farms, making it the most succulent pork that you'll ever taste. Fairwaymeatmarket.com, that's fairwaymeatmarket.com, also allows free access to the best recipes and cooking tips so your friends and family have a meal they won't want to forget. Uh, and I've been, I, I've had, had discovered those, those recipes as well. So that's, that's, that's great. They're not, they're not just going to leave you with the meat and then leave you on your own to try to figure out how to cook it. Although honestly, my experience has been, and I think this is the case with, uh, with most delicious cuts of meat. It's just salt. You, know, you want to put some salt on it, a little bit of pepper. You don't want to overdo the seasoning because you want the flavor of the meat to come out, but you can find great recipes as well at fairwaymeatmarket.com. This week, my listeners can get the Heartland package valued at $230 for just $99.99. So you're getting, that's over uh, uh, you know, half off, plus free shipping when entering Walsh at checkout. The Heartland package includes eight eight-ounce all-natural boneless pork chops, eight, uh, six eight-ounce USDA choice ribeye steaks, and then one mouth-watering side dish, which could be loaded potato bake, gourmet cheesy corn, or brisket baked beans. That's more than 50% off the best meat in America, plus free shipping. That's fairwaymeatmarket.com, promo code Walsh, and look for the, for the Heartland package. Again, that's fairwaymeatmarket.com, promo code Walsh. Look for the Heartland package. 
Okay, so my plan right now uh, is is for this episode of the show to be the last one where I talk about the China virus for a while. Uh, the last for a while, not the last ever, but at least for, for a little bit. That's my plan. I can't guarantee it will happen because I'm very bad on follow through in general, but also because it kind of depends on what's going on in the news. But I really want to stop talking about this every day because I, I feel like you, the listener, are already consumed by it as everybody else is. And so you probably don't need to hear it from me every day. That's my plan. I'm, I'm already, I've, been, I've been planning for days now to have what I'm going to call the No Corona Show tomorrow. But just to find stories and things to report and talk about that have nothing to do with the, the China virus, it's very difficult. I mean, every, every, every website, it's, uh, it's uh, about this. But, so I'm planning on doing that tomorrow. Right now, though, uh, I do want to discuss a couple of things related to it because uh, there are, you know, I think a, a, few, a few important issues that I want to talk about. So um, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit uh, between this and that, so bear with me. First of all, the White House has announced a plan to send stimulus payments to American workers who are suffering during the lockdown and the quarantines and having their, their jobs taken away. Now, it hasn't all been worked out yet, but the idea tentatively is to send uh, two checks of $1,000 a piece to people who make under a certain amount, although that amount has not yet been decided, as far as I know. The stimulus, stimulus package will also provide money uh, to a number of industries that have been especially hurt by the outbreak in response to it, like the airline industry. There's, there's little doubt that a bill like this, which already we're talking about a trillion dollars probably going to end up being more, there's no doubt that there will be untold millions or billions of dollars in pork and other unrelated expenditures added into it, and we'll have to fight over that when the time comes. But the basic idea to send relief to American families is good. And I am someone, as you know, if you watch this show, I am someone who is, who is I'm the last one to come out in favor of a government handout. Uh, I am normally opposed to government handouts of nearly any kind, but this I would wholeheartedly support. I think it's a good idea from the White House. A few general points I think need to be made about it. Number one, people on the left and people on the right have argued that this would be welfare or socialism. So on the left, they're saying, oh, so now, now the conservatives want welfare, want welfare or they think socialism is a good idea. And then there, there have been some conservatives who are criticizing it and saying, I thought we weren't, I thought we were against socialism. And then also there's been the argument that this is tantamount to the, uh, to Andrew Yang's universal basic income plan. None of that is remotely the case. Yang's plan would give, would give Americans $1,000 a month in perpetuity, si systematically, as, a, as an economic system. It's not a response to a, not, not a temporary emergency response to a pandemic. It would be, that's just the way the system works. Socialism and welfare are, again, systems that go on without end and work to make citizens dependent upon the government. The proposal from the White House is entirely different. It would be a measure taken in response to an unprecedented global crisis. Lots of extraordinary things are happening right now. Normal life and ways of doing things have been upended for everybody in many, in many ways across the board. So a person can support, under this circumstance, it would seem to me, a stimulus check without, without granting any credibility at all to socialism or UBI or, or the welfare state. Also, this is an important point. Americans are losing money in jobs because the government has shut down their places of employment and told them to stay home. 
So whether you think those steps are justified or not, the result is that many people are being prevented by the state from going to their jobs and working and making money. So it, it seems only fair that the state would compensate them in that case. Uh, besides, what, what other choice do we have? People need money. They don't have it because they can't work. It's, maybe it's as simple as that. Second point, some people have pointed out, some Republicans have pointed out that families with children would um, need more than single people. And others have worried that rich people and people who are working from home, like myself, we don't, we don't need the money because we, we haven't had an interruption in our paycheck, so why would you send us something? Uh, and, uh, and, and I agree that, you know, it's, ideally you don't want to send checks to people who don't need it. The problem, though, is how is the government going to determine who needs it and who doesn't? To go through that process of the government deciding that, that's a process that could take a long time. But it's not going to do much good if these checks are sent out after four months of bureaucratic deliberation. People need the money now. So you got to be quick about it. I think the better way, and this was a, a plan proposed, I think I mentioned it on the show yesterday, pr proposed uh, on Twitter, Josh Barrow on Twitter, had the idea that, well, maybe you just send the money to everybody or, or you know, everybody under a certain, everyone who is not very wealthy. Uh, that should be easy enough. You send them to everybody. And then, and this may seem enormously naive, maybe it is, but, and then you have a, a campaign, a social campaign, encouraging people who don't need the money to pass it along. I've already suggested, now for something like this, you need a hashtag. Uh, so I've already suggested hashtag pass the buck. And if you get a check and you don't need it because you already because you're working from home and your income is good uh, and hasn't been interrupted, then you pass the check along to somebody else. I would be perfectly, you know, I know my wife and I would be perfectly happy to pass it along to other people we know in our lives who need it. Uh, and I know that we're certainly not alone. I think many people would like to do that. The thing is, uh, you know, we talk about uniting and people helping each other out. Well, on Twitter, on social media, you don't see a lot of that. People are tearing each other to, each other to shreds. If you look at Washington, there's not a lot of unity there. But at any time you try to establish some sort of general unity, you know, among millions and millions of people across the country, that that what, what, what would that even mean? But my point is, in individual communities, I think Americans are very good at being united and and helping each other out in difficult times and helping each other through hard times and we, we this that's what Americans do. So I think you send the checks out and then you leave it to individual communities to help each other out and I think that they will do that. Um, now more to say about this in just a moment but first because there's another really important point about this plan that I want to make that separates it from socialism, welfare state, UBI, and so on. But first, uh, let's check in with LifeLock. You know, to get your identity stolen, it's never happened to me. I've talked to people who's, who's I've, I have some people close to me that it's happened to. And I, it's, it's obviously a bad situation, very nerve wracking, can be very costly. It's also, it's also wildly inconvenient and time consuming. You have no idea unless you've been through it, how time consuming it is to get through and to, uh, and to sort out. And during tax season, your name, your social security, lots of available, uh, lots of valuable information is out there being sent back and forth. And so there are a lot of opportunities for the bad guys to come in and steal that information. And then on top of dealing with taxes, now you have to deal with, it, with your identity being stolen. You don't want to have that, trust me. That's why you need LifeLock, the number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection. LifeLock monitors for uses of your personal info, alerts you to the possible suspicious activity. 
And if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. So you have the peace of mind of knowing that you're being protected from it. But if something does happen, you also have that backup of someone there who's going to help you sort all the way through it. Um, now, you can take advantage of this. I would absolutely recommend it. It's it, These days, it's just crazy. It's like walking through the street naked. You, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be using the internet, sending private information back and forth without having LifeLock. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to LifeLock.com slash Walsh. That's LifeLock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. LifeLock.com slash Walsh. Okay. Um, talking about this, and we'll, we'll move on to something else in a minute, but talking about this, this plan to send checks up. One other point, third, third point. This, this goes, I guess, maybe could go fold into point number one, but it's, it's not welfare, it's not socialism. Because these are payments that are going mostly to workers. That is taxpayers. That's the whole point here, is to compensate people who can't work because the government's told them they can't. So you're compensating people for the lost work, work they lost out on because the government mandated it. So they're getting their own money back. They are, they're taxpayers. They're the ones filling the government's coffers. So that, that money that's being sent out, that's, if you're a worker and you can't, and, and you've been working your whole life and you can't go to work now because the government shut everything down and you get $2,000 or you get two $1,000 checks, that's not somebody else's money. That's your money. You're, you're, you're the one that's been paying this. The government's been taking money from you for years. So yeah, you're, you're owed that. I mean, I would, I would call this an entitlement in the literal sense of the word. You're entitled to it. The government's been taking money from you. It's your money. Now they're telling you you can't work. You need to work to feed your family. Well, basically what you're saying to the government is, I need some of that money back. That's my own money. You need to give it back to me. Um, so I just think, I think that's important as well. And that's a, a, there's a big difference between that and something like welfare where people who are working are forced, it's a forced charity model, where they're forced to pay for people who mostly are not working. It's an entirely different, however you feel about welfare, it's an entirely different thing. Both in terms of the economics of it and philosophically. Okay, now, um, another thing I wanted to talk about, and and this this is a dumb conversation. It is so remarkably, incredibly, fantastically dumb. But it's a conversation the media wants to have. The conversation about whether it's, it's racist to call the coronavirus the Chinese virus or the China virus. Uh, Trump was asked about this by a, speaking of fantastically dumb, a very dim, an exceedingly dull reporter asked him about this issue. And I really love his response. I think this is, there's, there's a lot I like about this from, from Trump. It's, it's, it's nothing... Nothing extraordinary, you know, um, but he doesn't have some snappy comeback where he's, oh, he demolished her. He destroyed her. It's not that at all. And that's what I like about it. So, uh, well, let's just play the video. Watch this. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I want to be accurate. 
Yeah, here, please, John. Please. Uh, are you I have the great. Term? I have great love uh, for all of the people from our country. But uh, as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe this stuff now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Uh, it comes from China. Reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans, really? What bias was that? People deciding not to eat at the Sichuan walk down the street, that's the bias? Panda Express has a slow, a slow lunch hour and now it's a hate crime against Chinese people? I'm not making this up either. This, this is really what, according to elected Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, and Rashida Tlaib and uh, the rest of the squad, according to them, that's, that is hate. Again, that's, that's bias you're, if you're not eating at a Chinese restaurant. Of course, you're not eating at any restaurant now, but uh, but it's no, it's it's the it's the Chinese restaurants that are being victimized. But I have to say, I think Trump's response was was great. Uh, I, I love the response. He was rational, cool, calm, logical, appropriately dismissive. He came off like a man who has more important things to worry about, which he does. So the approach and the tone and the posture. Uh, has been, I think, I think was great there. And in general, this week has been very good, in my opinion, um, with respect to his response to the pandemic and, and to the media. And Trump indicates that he only made a point of saying Chinese virus because China tried to slander our troops by blaming them for it. So Trump said, okay, if that's how you guys want to play it, I'm going to label this the Chinese virus. And that, again, is great. I think that's exactly what a president should be doing. A president should get offended on behalf of our soldiers and on behalf of our people. This is something that uh, the left still doesn't understand about Trump and, and his appeal for a lot of people is that, you know, yeah, he can be uh, very cruel and, and, uh, and uh, nasty towards certain groups of people, but those are always the media, politicians, celebrities, other famous people. You know, that's who he's going after. People who oftentimes, number one, deserve it. And number two, they can take it, given their station in life. But he's not, he doesn't go after regular Americans. You know, when it comes to American citizens, he's not going after them. He's defending them. Um, troops, law enforcement, those groups. Now, you, you contrast that with what you get from the left and where their contempt is often directed. And it's exactly the opposite, where they're going to direct their contempt at those groups of normal Americans while defending politicians and celebrities and famous people. Now, as for the claim that it's racist to call it the Chinese virus, well, again, I say extremely stupid, uh, not to get technical, first of all, but Chinese is not a race. A person can hate China all they want, and it still would not be racist. I mean, you could hate the entire country of China, and you wouldn't be racist. In fact, you could hate all Chinese people, which you shouldn't. But as, as a matter of, of, of technicality here, it would not be racist because that's not a race. It may be bigoted, prejudicial. It's not good. But in any case, that's not what's happening here. People, aren't, people don't hate all Chinese people. No one's taking it out on Chinese people in general. Nobody's going around thinking or saying that Chinese people, all Chinese people are infected. It's not what's happening here. What some people are pointing out is a simple fact that the virus began its career in Wuhan, China. 
A great many illnesses, as have been pointed out many times now, have, uh, are, are named after the places where they began or after landmarks uh, like the Ebola virus is named after the Ebola River in, in Africa. You've got the German measles, the West Nile virus, the Spanish flu. In fact, the Spanish flu is, is was, the Spanish flu didn't start in Spain. It didn't hit Spain particularly hard or it didn't hit Spain any harder than it hit other countries. There's no reason for it to be called the Spanish flu. It's a, just one of the dozens of countries that were hit by the, Span- by the flu and we decided to call it the Spanish flu. So they have a complaint. For this, I don't think China does. But of course, there's more than just the mere happenstance of China being the epicenter of the disease. The Chinese government is in many ways responsible for allowing the virus to spread so far and rapidly uh, because in the early days of the outbreak, they responded much like the Soviets did with Chernobyl. They, they moved slowly at first. They were more concerned with stopping the spread of information about the, the, the disaster than they were about actually stopping it. Uh, medical experts were censored. Doctors were prevented from warning the world and, and each other about the nature of the disease and how serious it was. Some of the early whistleblowers are now dead. But the fact that there had to be whistleblowers in the first place should tell you everything you need to know. If there have to be whistleblowers who are doctors risking life and limb to tell the world about this virus, well, that's, that's, that shows you what's going on in China. And it's all the more reason why the Chinese government deserves to get the blame. Why shouldn't we hang this around the Chinese government's neck and make them wear it? Especially now that they're attempting to turn the tables and blame us. Um, But, of course, the media is more than happy to echo communist propaganda if it means landing a blow on Trump. Um, And... uh, but either way, it started with China and their dishonesty, misdirection, and propaganda made it worse than, than it had to be. Speaking of dishonesty, misdirection, and propaganda, I just think about what the media is doing here. Imagine being a reporter. There's a pandemic. There are shutdowns and quarantines, and we're facing the prospect of a depression. Extraordinary things are happening. Very bad things are happening. It's a, it is, a, it is a, a historic moment in so many ways. You have a chance to ask the president of the United States a question right to his face on TV. I think we all have many questions we would like to ask of people in positions of authority who maybe know more about us, you know, know more about this situation than than we do because maybe they're privy to information that we are not. You have a chance to ask a question and that's what you ask? You ask him why he's being a big old meanie head to China? China? As Trump would say, that, that's your question. Meanwhile, there's another reporter, Chinese-American reporter for, I believe, CBS, who claims that a White House official called it the Kung Flu right to her face. And this has been a big controversy. Now, she provided no evidence for this at all. She just claimed it. We're supposed to believe her, take her at her word, because we all know when it comes to claims the media makes about the Trump administration, uh, those are always reliable. We should always trust those. But what difference does it make? To quote Hillary Clinton, what, diff- what, what difference at this point does it make if that was said or not? Why should we even care? Okay, so let's, let's say that someone did say that. Who cares? Get over it. Get the hell over it. Get over yourself. It's not important. It really isn't. If this was a disease that originated in the American South and people were calling it the, I don't know, calling it redneck-itis or something... You wouldn't be complaining. That, that reporter wouldn't be complaining. No reporter would be complaining. They'd be joining in the fun. 
And we all know it. So, you know, just get over yourself. And then, of course, here's Richard Engel, NBC's foreign correspondent. Uh, and he's on NBC and he's lecturing Americans on, uh, this, on this issue. We, we should all listen to him because he's important. Watch. It is easy to scapegoat people. And that is what has always happened when there have been pandemics or epidemics uh, that foreigners are are attacked. Foreigners sometimes physically attacked. Uh, if you look at what happened uh, during the, the Middle Ages, there was lots and lots of scapegoating uh, against an ethnic group or a religious group uh, whenever there were pandemics that affected the society and frightened a lot of people. And uh, China certainly feels that is what happened, what is happening now uh, with people calling it the, the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or the, the China virus. This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. This is a bat virus, not a, uh, a China virus. Uh, it doesn't speak Chinese. It doesn't target Chinese people. Uh, it targets human beings who happen to touch their eyes, nose, or, or mouth. Oh, it, it doesn't speak Chinese. Really? Is that so, Richard Engel? I had no idea. Thank you for that information, because I had no idea. I thought the virus itself, I thought when a virus infects you, it walks up to you and speaks to you in whatever language of the country of its of its origin of where it originated and then you have a conversation and then you and then you you engage in hand to hand battle with the virus and only if it defeats you in that battle does it does, does it then enter your body and uh, and take control i thought that's how it works but but apparently not okay so uh, the china virus doesn't speak chinese the spanish flu doesn't speak spanish i guess next you're going to tell me that my french bread in my kitchen, doesn't speak French. That explains a lot because I was up all night trying to talk to my French bread, trying to carry on a conversation. It was being pretty rude, giving me the cold shoulder. Um, and he's right. Uh, he says that it comes came from bats. But how did it get from a bat into a person? Let me ask you that. See, the thing is, most likely, if there was a bat in this country that had the China flu, uh, it, it probably wouldn't make it from the bat into a person. And why is that? Because we don't eat bats. In China, they do. And, and eating bats is an objectively disgusting, unhealthy practice. So like it or not, this pandemic originates from, comes from the dangerous and gross eating habits of some of the folks in that part of the world. world. And once again, I say, if, if, if people in the American South, if white people in the American South had a habit of eating bats, and then a pandemic started because of that, what, what do you think the media would be saying? You think they'd be saying, oh, no, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about the fact that this originates from, from uh, rednecks in the South. No, 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 we're not, not going to discuss that. No way. Let's, that, that's inappropriate, guys. Come on. You think they'd be saying that? The media will never admit that it has any responsibility here, but the fact is that this is why there's been so much confusion and division and debate about the virus and what we should do about it and how severe it is because nobody can trust the sources of information. That's what I was talking about on my show at the, at the beginning of the week, that there's a crisis of trust. Who should you listen to? These people? These ridiculous, smarmy jackasses who have spent a week now crying about the name that people are using for a disease that just shut down half the globe? And we're going to trust them? No, we can't. So who then do you trust? There's no use being in an information age if your sources of information are, are, are manifestly unreliable. 
then it's more of a disinformation age. And that's what we're living in, the disinformation age. And then when you have a pandemic on top of that and people want, they simply want to know what's happening, what should I do? You've got nowhere to turn. And so this goes back to the media and that's, uh, and that falls on their shoulders, but of course they'll never accept blame for that. We're going to go to uh, your five, five headlines in a second, but first, if you haven't had a chance to see some of the new content we started this week um, over at the Daily Wire, you should go and check it out, especially the All Access Live show. Um, and you can find that at dailywire.com and catch up. You can watch. Now, they, it's right there in the title, of course. The show, the, uh, the, it, does, it does happen live, but you can go and watch the videos if you missed it. Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro kicked off Monday evening. Jeremy and Michael Knowles followed up on Tuesday night. And then I did a live stream last night, which if you... Uh, didn't watch it, then you missed me playing uh, another original composition from my banjo that is a lot of people on the live stream were bugging me the entire time, play the banjo, and I did. And I think anyone that was on the live stream, they were all saying that it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, and uh, they feel like their life has been changed from seeing my performance. You missed it if you didn't watch. So you don't want to miss stuff like this. We'll be doing episodes the rest of this week at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. All Access Live is unique programming at The Daily Wire. Usually our our podcasts are highly produced on these sorts of stunning, very expensive sets, like the one that you can see here, which is just my house, a room in my own house. Um, But this is different. It's a more casual environment. Uh, that's because the focus isn't on production value. It's just on connecting with you guys and having a conversation, very interactive. Uh, it was actually intended for our all-access members, but in order to help us all feel a little bit less lonely during this time of being quarantined, we accelerated the launch and we opened it up to all of our Daily Wire members for the time being. So if you're a Daily Wire member, uh, you can take part in this. I would really recommend it. And if you're around at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific tonight, you can join us again on uh, the all-access live show at dailywire.com. Okay. Headlines. Number one, reading from Breitbart, says New Orleans Mayor uh, LaToya Cantrell signed a coronavirus emergency order last week allowing her to ban the sale and transportation of firearms. She signed a follow-up proclamation on March 16, 2020, further emphasizing her emergency powers to suspend or limit the sale, dispensing, or transportation of alcoholic beverages. The declaration declaring the mayor's power to restrict gun sales and transportation says that she is, quote, empowered if necessary to suspend or limit the sale of alcoholic beverages, firearms, explosives, and combustibles. Now, this is clearly nothing more or less than a left-wing political operative taking advantage of a national emergency to impose her ideological agenda by fiat and grab power for herself. There is no conceivable reason why the sale of guns would need to be banned uh, during a, a situation like this. And in any case, it's not about need anyway, because the Second Amendment, Second Amendment is still a thing. That still exists. So this isn't even a conversation about need. But I'm making the point that there isn't any connection between the Kung flu and this, except in the other direction, which is that uh, it may be all the more reason why you would want to bear arms. Uh, especially when you consider what's happening in some other cities, like in Philadelphia, where they're telling cops not to enforce the law. Even laws like theft, don't enforce it. Don't arrest people for that. Well, if you're in a city like that, then you've basically been told by the police, it's up to you to protect your belongings. Number two, the Daily Wire reports on Wednesday, after after seven people were shot in Baltimore on Tuesday night, Baltimore Mayor Jack Young pleaded with residents to stop shooting each other so that there would be beds available for victims of the coronavirus. On Wednesday, Baltimore reported a fifth person who had been 
infected with the virus. The Baltimore Sun reported um, the five confirmed cases in Baltimore involve a person in their 60s, a person in their 20s, and three people in their, or a person in their 70s, um, and three people in their 20s. All are in good to stable condition. But he's, he's just urging people, he's pleading with them not to shoot each other. This is what it's come to in Baltimore. That you've just got mayors begging, uh, begging people not to shoot each other. But remember, this is Baltimore we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about decades of Democratic leadership, which, speaking of not being accountable, not, not, not taking responsibility, do you think the Democratic Party is ever going to take responsibility for the fact that in most of these cities across the country that are crime-riddled and falling apart, they, are, they have been led by Democrats for decades? No, of course not. It's, somehow it's still the fault of uh, you know, the racist conservatives. Number three, MSN reports U.S. immigration authorities will temporarily halt enforcement across the United States except for its efforts to deport foreign nationals who have committed crimes. The change in enforcement status comes amid the coronavirus outbreak and aims to limit the spread of the virus and to encourage those who need treatment to seek help. So we're going to limit the spread of the virus by not stopping people who come here illegally from other countries. That's how we're going to limit the pandemic. Makes sense. Great. Number four, Lizzo is now calling out TikTok, accusing the site of censoring photos of her in, in, a bath, in a bathing suits. She says that apparently when she puts up a, a photo of herself in a, a bikini, it's mysteriously it keeps getting taken down. Or, or I guess this is TikTok, so it'd be a video. I don't know. I don't know, kids. I've never used the site. One of, the, one of them, they're uh, social media sites. But she says they're, they're censoring the, uh, the footage of her in her bathing suit. All I can say is, you know, sometimes censorship is not such a bad thing. That's all I'll say. Number five, here's something that really should be censored. Case in point. This is so bad that it has made me rethink my support of the First Amendment. You could make an argument for abolishing the, fir the First Amendment simply to prevent something like this from happening again. This is Gal Gadot and her celebrity pals. They've all gotten together. Well, not physically together, but they've all decided to compile a video that they hope will inspire us in this very trying time. And I don't know, you watch it and, and let me know if you're inspired. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Yeah. Imagine there's no countries yet. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. Yeah, that... It, it, you, you can't get through it. You just can't. You have to look away. This is, I, I don't know, if, I, I mean, do, do you think you could, that, that, that video is two minutes long. Do you think you could watch, could you physically handle watching that whole video? I cringed so hard watching that, that I collapsed into myself and I was absorbed into myself and I turned into a black hole and then I consumed the galaxy. 
and we are now all living in an alternate alternate dimension. That's what happened in the 45 seconds of watching that video. Um, and I only played part of it. I feel like we need to watch more. I'm sorry, but we need to watch more. This is penance. This is punishment for our sins. Repent. Repent, ye sinners. Uh, we'll watch a little more, but let's see. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us and the world will live as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed and hunger, brotherhood of man. Okay, I can't, I can't do it anymore. That's it. That's all I can do. I can't, I can't go further than that. Of course, they choose the worst song of all time. John Lennon, Lennon Imagine. It's the worst song, the dumbest song. And they're singing Imagine No Possessions. Celebrities in their expensive clothes in their fancy mansions in Beverly Hills. Quarantined in their mansions in Beverly Hills. Uh, they're, they're telling us, imagine no possessions, right? But I want to go back, and I, wanna, I do want to break down. There's a couple things in this video that I think need to be analyzed a little bit uh, closer. So we're, I want to break this down, a couple things. Um, first of all, let's go back to Natalie Portman's part of the video. Nothing to kill or die for. See, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Because didn't you expect her to have a good singing voice? That's a little bit shocking. I didn't expect her to be tone deaf. I, I think you always expect... Uh, pretty women to have good singing voices. You you figure that's part of the package, but apparently not in all cases. And then uh, I don't know who this person is, but I'm I'm very confused here. Living for today. So yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't know half the, who half of the people in the video are, but she's taking this way too seriously. Everyone else is basically mumbling as they're walking to their car, but she's in there auditioning for American Idol. Though I have to say, who among us, who among us does not every once in a while stand in the bathroom taking a selfie video of themselves singing a John Lennon song? Who among us? Oh, you guys haven't? Well, no, me neither. I was just kidding. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. That'd be really weird. And finally, um, you know, this is not supposed to be funny. I'm just concerned. Can we take a look at Will Ferrell? We don't have to play the part of him again, but just look at the screenshot. He looks like he's been in quarantine since 1952. Uh, alternatively, he looks like me after my wife's been out of town for like 36 hours. That's what I look like. Everything has just gone, gone to hell. I think someone needs to check on him, but the thing is nobody can check on him because we're all in quarantine. So you're on your own, Will. Hang in there. Um, imagine. Imagine there's no heaven which ironically, indeed, is, is not hard to do after watching a video like that. Let me just say one other thing about this. I was making fun of it on, on, uh, online today, and some people were saying, what are, you, what are you making fun of it for? These are just people. They're trying to inspire us. Hey, you don't have to be so cynical. First of all, I do have to be so cynical. It's in my nature. Second of all, uh, I'm making fun of it because it's, it's, it's funny. Third, you know, not to be cynical, but why would the celebrities think that it's a good idea to put this video out? Why would they do that? Do you, do you think a bunch of Joe Schmoes 
would ever consider compiling video a video of them singing different parts of uh, Imagine, tone deaf, acapella, and then put it online? No, nobody would do that. No normal person would do that because there's no reason to make that video. It's, it's awful. The only reason they made it is because they figured, well, we're celebrities. And so even if it's bad and we can't sing and there's nothing good about this video and no reason for it to, to exist, we're celebrities. And so people will like it. People will be inspired because it's celebrities doing it. We're famous people. It's, it's inspiring because we are famous people trying to inspire you. And if we're trying to inspire you, you damn well better be inspired. That's the attitude that I don't like. This is self-important. It's very self-important and also hilarious. All right, let's uh, move on to your daily cancellation. I will be, unfortunately, sadly, with great trepidation and perhaps at great personal cost, I will be canceling my wife. My wife is canceled, and I have to keep my voice down because, as I mentioned, we are all self-quarantined right now. My whole family is in the house as I speak. Uh, so this is her official notification of her cancellation. Let me explain. As I, as I air my uh, marital dirty laundry uh, for, for everyone to experience. Now, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a saga, so you have, to, you have to stay with me here. But once, once I get there, you'll understand. So it begins with my daughter a few days ago losing a tooth. She lost a tooth, and she was very excited about it, as kids tend to be. So I asked her, I said, hey, uh, bet you can't wait for the tooth fairy tonight. And then she said, and I wasn't expecting this, she said, oh, daddy, I, I'm not sure if the tooth fairy is real. And I said, what, what do you mean, not real? What, what, why would you say that? And she said, well, the last two times I had a tooth under my pillow, uh, the tooth fairy didn't come. And I just woke up and the tooth was still there, so I don't think she's real. Now, at this point, of course, I'm realizing the oversight. I'm realizing that I forgot to leave the money twice. And I'm racked with guilt. And I'm racked with guilt, especially because my, my, my daughter, she never told us like, she didn't wake up and start crying and whining that the tooth fairy didn't come. She just, apparently, she just silently suffered. She felt her disappointment and dejection silently. And that somehow makes it even worse. Because all parents of young kids know that when they whine about something, your sympathy for them immediately evaporates, no matter what it is. When they're using the whiny voice, it's, you have no sympathy. But when they're upset, when they're really upset about something, and they're, they're, they're not whining, and they're just sort of silently uh, devastated... That's when, it, that's when it gets you, right in the heart, okay? And that's, that's how I felt. So um, I felt like I, you know, I had to come up with an excuse, and I said, well, honey, you know, the, the tooth fairy's a deadbeat. Constantly forgetting. So it, it happens to everybody. Now, the great thing about having a child who believes in mythical creatures is that you can always blame them for your failures. And I, I'm doing this all the time. The tooth fairy's messing things up. Santa Claus is, the Easter bunny, leprechauns, unicorns. They're making all kinds of mistakes in this house. I never do. Daddy never does. If there's a mistake made, it's one of them. Now, sidebar here. I'm not sure why we're even doing the tooth fairy thing in my house. I don't know why we're doing it. It's a very weird tradition. I mean, think about what you're telling kids. You're telling your kid that a supernatural entity sneaks into their room at night and steals their teeth. Whoever thought of this, why are we telling our kids this? This entity, this creature, apparently, has a whole stash of billions of teeth. Has, has billions of teeth of children, like in a layer somewhere under the earth. I don't know. In a, in, hidden in a volcano. I don't know where she puts it all. 
And it's, it's horrifying. It's, it's completely ridiculous as well, which is why I suspect, and I'm trying to think, where did this tradition come from? I think this tradition originates as sort of an early IQ test for kids, because by the time they're old enough to lose their teeth, they should be old enough to sense that this story is absurd and can't possibly be true. Um, now, my daughter has passed that test because she's, you know, she's at the age where she's losing the teeth and she's like, eh, I don't know about this tooth fairy deal. My son, on the other hand, has not passed the test. And, and uh, I love him to death. He's a, he's a sweet boy. But he's, a, he's a simple child, which is what I love about him. You know, but he'll believe any story you tell him. I, I could tell him that a magical flying warthog named Edwin comes into the kitchen at night and does our dishes. And he would believe it right away. It, automatically, he, he would buy into it. My, 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 uh, my daughter, his twin sister, is a bit of a skeptic, though. Anyway, so my daughter is suspecting. She suspects something. But she hasn't completely given up her belief in the tooth fairy. So after she goes to bed, my wife uh, tells me that I need to go into the room before I, you know, she says, remember before you go to bed. I don't know why my wife couldn't do it, but, you know, that's the way it goes. She says, make sure you go into the room and leave some money under the pillow. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And uh, so I, I, I go in there in, at night and I try to, you know, I, I'm reaching my hand under the pillow. My daughter wakes up, sits up in bed, like as if she'd been waiting for me, which she probably had been. And she says, what are you doing, Daddy? And I didn't have an answer ready. I said, oh, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was just I was going to fluff your pillow. I was just coming in to fluff the, I fluffed, I fluffed the pillows at night. That's what I do. I go around and fluff all the pillows at night. So that's what, that's what I was doing. And she looked at me like she didn't believe me. Uh, but she goes back to bed. And, uh, and in the morning, she brings us up to my wife, to, you know, to mommy, and, and tells, her, tells mommy what happened, what she caught me doing, trying to figure out. She's suspicious. She's starting to think, maybe Daddy is the tooth fairy. And then my wife tells her, my wife, for some reason, who is desperate to preserve my daughter's belief in the psychotic serial killing demon who steals teeth, tells her that, no, 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 daddy's not the tooth fairy. Daddy was coming in to steal the money that the tooth fairy left you. My wife decided that it'd be better for my daughter to believe that her dad is a thief who sneaks into the room at night to steal her possessions than it would be to just tell her the tooth fairy isn't real. I told you it was a long story to get there, but it's, it's important. And so that's why my wife is canceled. And I have been told, I cannot tell my, you know, I can't, I, I'm denying it. I'm saying, look, I got my own money. You think I'm going to steal your money? Your money is my money. Where do you think you got your money from? If I want to steal money from you, I would just keep my own money and not give it to you. Anyway. We've been quarantined for a long time. These are the kind of disputes that happen. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. I was going to do emails, but then I decided to talk about the tooth fairy for 25 minutes. And so we'll have to just uh, end it there. A lot of interesting emails we'll save for tomorrow. Tomorrow is the, I should remind you, the no corona show. At least that's the tentative plan. No mention of coronavirus in the show tomorrow. We're going to think about other things to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about the the tooth fairy for another hour. Uh, Who knows? But uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Stay safe out there. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, supervising producer Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, Editor, Danny D'Amico. 
audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, emergencies expose weaknesses, things that have gone rotten, places that are dark and useless. So yes, we'll be taking a look in Jim Acosta's mind on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven.